Another thing that I really like that is showcased in this show is how fragile masculinity is. Yeah. Not only does Midge deal with her fair share of hecklers while she's on stage, you know, people saying like, women aren't funny, go home and wash the dishes. There's in the final episode, they're like, you're a dumb bitch. And she's like, who told you? (laughs) I love that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Alice Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And my name is Allison. And today we wanted to talk about uh, a relatively new show that is exclusive on Amazon. I don't think we've actually done an Amazon show yet. We've done Hulu and we've done Netflix, but it's our first Amazon show. We are reviewing season one of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So we put out a question on Atlas and Friends and we asked um, everyone in the group, what are they watching right now? What would they like to hear us review? And Rebecca Shockley recommended the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She says it sounds corny, but it's really good. And I have actually watched the show before and I'm working my way through season two and it's a spectacular show. It is, and I never watched it. I've obviously heard of it, but I just didn't. I didn't have Amazon Prime, and so I, you know, just never had a way to watch it. But I did watch the Emmys uh, last year, the end of last year, and I mean, this show swept yes. the Emmys, and I definitely see why. It is so funny and just the direction like just from a creative standpoint I love the continuous shots because it seems more like a play than it does a show which I absolutely love that artistic flair I guess there's not a lot of shows like that or movies like if you've ever seen Birdman how it's like all in one shot it's obviously not like that but that type of direction is really intriguing to me the characters there's I don't think there's a single weak link in this show I think everybody does a spectacular job. And this show also won a Golden Globe for the best TV series in musical or comedy. Rachel Brosnahan has won awards for it. They're writing, directing, screenplay, um, and just series in general has won Emmys, SAG Awards, as well as multiple other you know, smaller awards. If you look at their wiki page, it's like one, 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 one. They've won so many things Mm -hmm. and totally worth it. They are 100% deserving in my opinion. And Rachel Brosnahan is so great in this role. And I, every time I watch something new, I immediately go to IMDb and I'm like, what else has this person done? She really hasn't done a lot. She's had a lot of small roles. This is definitely her breakout role. And she's spectacular I can't wait to see what else she does after this show hopefully you know we get more seasons than just the two Um, I'm assuming it's already been renewed for at least a season three Mm -hmm. I Um, believe so but uh, she's fantastic and um, I think that again all of the leads in this do such a great job so like we said there are two seasons on Amazon Prime right now we are just reviewing season one with uh, any television show that we review, we want to make sure we review it season by season, especially if it's new, um, just so we're not overwhelming you guys with talk about, you know, the entire plot. Because let's say, you know, somebody recommended Breaking Bad, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Mine too. 
we would obviously not be able to review the entire show. We couldn't do it in under an hour. No, there's way too much that happens. So, <laughs> so we want to start reviewing things uh, season by season, and uh, maybe down the road we will do uh, Mrs. Maisel season two. But uh, for now, we're just going to talk about the first eight episodes. This show was created by Amy Sherman Palladino. Some of you may have heard of her or know her from gilmore girls which Mm -hmm. i know jamie didn't watch a lot but (laughs) i love it and it's the same type of like quick wit there's lots of um pop culture references in gilmore girls as well as this show it's very like quick delivery kind of goofy comedy at some times and a lot of the dialogue is quick-witted back and forth and um Amy's husband, Daniel Palladino, he's also a writer on this show, and he's also contributed to Family Guy, which is funny because Alex Borstein is the voice of Lois on Family Guy, which once I figured that out, it was like, (laughs) what? And then you can kind of hear it a little bit sometimes. It's really funny. And I love Alex Borstein in this. She is so funny. If you remember her from Mad TV... Um, she's also in the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she's so great. I love her. She's amazing in this. And I love that they continuously call her like a ma'am. Yes. Because she's so, uh, she's, you know, not very feminine. Um, but she's like always wearing a hat and like suspenders, a leather jacket, yeah, and trousers. It's so funny. Something that I didn't know is um, Amy Sherman Palladino's father was actually a comedian as well. Don Sherman, who uh, passed away in 2002. 2012 and he was actually a comic in the same time so I think that that's really cool that she kind of you know went back to that so you can definitely tell she knows the the era and the type of comedy and just like if again if you watch this show like we weren't alive in the 50s but it was really cool how accurate everything was just Mm -hmm. like the style obviously the um the sexism against uh, against women and their role at the time was very accurate, painfully accurate, I would say. Um, but but that's really interesting. I didn't know that, so it was definitely cool that she you know kind of had that eye in this in this time period. So um, let's just kind of briefly talk about some of the like bigger plot points in the first season. So we start off with uh, Miriam Midge and her husband Joel. And he's an aspiring comedian. And they go to this cafe every night or, you know, whenever they can. Um, In downtown New York. They live in Manhattan. Yeah, they live in the Upper West Side in this gorgeous apartment. I was actually watching this with my husband. And he was like, what kind of apartment is this? I've never seen apartments with halls like that. And, like, just beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> it's um, funny. Susie says that when she uh-huh. goes to her apartment for the first time. She's like, what kind of place is this? I didn't know I was going to some UN ambassador's yeah. place or something. So funny. And her parents live, I think, a few uh, a few floors above them. So uh, it's really easy for them to drop off the kids and, you know, spend time with her parents. And so they actually, there's a scene where they're going back and forth between the apartments and Susie's like, what is this? You got another, you need another house? Yes. (laughs) That's funny. They go to this cafe called The Gaslight and uh, Joel works, he's like the vice president of, um, I think it's his uncle's, it's not his uncle's company, but. a plastic company. So they're getting into uh, like pyrex and bake light and stuff like that it's 1958 so he works for this 
plastics company and he wants to moonlight as a comedian. Yes. At the gaslight, um, he never gets a chance to get a good spot or time to do his to do his act. So um, Midge actually has to bring food constantly to the owner um, and, you know, has all these excuses on, oh, you know, our kid's sick. We can't stay out late just so Joel can get a better time. And um, he does his act and, um, you know, he gets some good laughs and uh, Midge actually has a notebook of all these notes of just how, you know, he could do things a little bit better. And she has all these ideas and he doesn't really seem to listen. And she finds out one night that um, he's actually been ripping off his act entirely. And she is so confused by that. Like, oh, like, I thought you wrote that. And he's like, oh, everybody does it. All comedians do that. And she just thinks that that's ridiculous. Um, and so one night they go and she suggests he tries to do something more authentic. His sweater is full of holes. She's like, Hey, you know, talk about that. You know, it's personal to you. That could be funny. And he completely bombs and it's terrible. And he's just really down on himself and they go home and he just is like, I'm leaving you. And it kind of comes out of nowhere, but then you find out he's been having an affair with his secretary, Penny Pan. And which is a horrible name. It is a horrible name. And, um, he's going to take her suitcase which is uh she makes a point to point out like oh that's my suitcase why are you taking my suitcase to leave us and your kids and they're actually going to have um Yom Kippur at their house the next day and so you know and at the time divorce or even any sort of you know marital scandal like this was so frowned upon and so when she tells her parents they're like mortified at the fact that you know their daughter is splitting with with her husband and um, so she gets drunk and she kind of stumbles into the gaslight in her nightgown and just walks up on stage and does a pretty spectacular uh, stand-up performance. And it ends badly because she flashes the audience and she gets arrested. And then Susie, who's behind the bar, uh, bails her out and she's like, hey, you are hilarious. I want to manage you. I think you could be great. And so the show is just kind of uh, Midge kind of coming into her own person, you know, realizing that, you know, she's great at comedy. Joel wasn't. She's real and she tells real stories about her life and her own experiences. And she stumbles a little bit along the way. You know, she has a couple of bad sets. Um, She meets Lenny Bruce and um, they do, they hang out a bit and go to a couple of different clubs and uh, bars to do more shows together she and uh, Susie do and throughout the whole time her parents she's starting to kind of pull away from them which upsets her mother because they were always so close and Joel kind of starts to fall apart he realizes what a big mistake he made he tries to get her back and she says no and the last episode is kind of empowering because they actually get kind of get back together a little bit in the last episode midge tells her dad after her parents have basically been their marriage their like, marriage like avoiding each other yeah their marriage is on the rocks because of what's going on between midge and joel and midge tells her dad like joel and i might be getting back together and he's like so help me god if you don't or whatever or he's like i forbid you to get back together look of everything you've put me through with your mother through all of this because Abe didn't tell Rose that Midge had told Joel you can't come back you know, all of these things they had 
you know, it was affecting all different parts of their family life. And, and Abe is super, super upset. And we think, okay, well, they're going to they're gonna get back together. Everything is going to be great. Midge goes to the gaslight to do a set. And Joel sees how good she is. And that probably harms his ego, for one. And two, she's making jokes about him. Oh, yeah. And he's so fragile, Joel. And he's just getting more and more drunk, and he just looks so disheveled and upset. And he, like, kind of pulls Susie aside, and he's like, this is all your fault. And Susie kind of puts him in his place, like, she's going places, she's going to make it big, and you're just going to be sitting there in a bar one day pointing at her on the TV, like, I used to be married to her, but you, you know, you ruined your, you blew it, you ruined your chance with her. And um, then she gets, in the last episode, she gets heckled by some guy in the audience and she takes it with stride like she does great. The guy walks out of uh, the gaslight with his friends and then Joel follows them and just starts like beating the shit out of this guy. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, you know, she like she's funny, like she was good and um, just kind of stumbles away. And um, so that's season one. Again, we didn't cover everything, obviously, just a very brief overview. But uh, it's there's so many so many great scenes and every episode has has a you know a highlight of 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 Midge and honestly like for the time she just defied stereotypes she questioned everything like anything that was thrown her way like why you know why is why can't women do this why can't women be funny and even to this day people say that women can't be funny right which is so frustrating but one thing that I thought was really great was there's um Another female comedian, uh, Sophie Lennon, who's played by Jane Lynch, and she has, you know, she's like fat and she has all these like frumpy clothing and she has like this like presence of being kind of like a like a dumpy woman, but she's hilarious. And And she's from, yeah, and she's from the Bronx and she's just like this dirty kind of scoundrel. Yeah. And people love that character. She fills huge halls with people and they go crazy for her. There's a scene where, where Midge is trying to, like, open for her. And so she goes to her home and finds out that she's the complete opposite, that she's this very this very classy woman. She won't even eat in front of her. Midge makes a, a comment about how she loves kitchens, and she, like, looks down on her for that. And she says, you know, like, men don't, you know, they don't want to laugh at you. They just want to have sex with you. So I, you know, I put on this outfit, and I put on this this persona so people will laugh you know they don't want to laugh at a pretty woman and midge is just like why like why can't i be pretty and funny Mm -hmm. you know like why do i have to look a certain way or act a certain way why can't i just be myself and she actually completely rips her apart in a set and it blacklists her for a little bit i don't know what happens in season two the aftermath of that she kind of has a little bit of a uh i wouldn't say a comeback because it wasn't really you know that long but she you know redeems herself in a way but um I thought that that was really cool she's just a very non-traditional woman for the time and I just love how she questions everything and she doesn't let herself you know fall into that 50s housewife role and she obviously was that for a few years but then she becomes this very independent very you know confident woman and I just I love this character so much Mm -hmm. Not only does she challenge, you know, women in comedy or the roles of women, she challenges 
class in a way because when Joel leaves, you know, part of the thing that happens is they find out that Joel's parents own their apartment and they're flat broke. So Midge, you know, not only was Joel having an affair, but he kept her at an arm's length with everything else with their family, with their finances, with their job. You know, she was kind of oblivious to it all. Yeah. And she gets a job at a department store. She has to work with all these other younger ladies who are single, who, you know, are Christian because they celebrate Christmas. Mm -hmm. They work at a makeup counter. And they have parties where, you know, they all come together in their apartment. Everybody brings something. These parties aren't a huge production you know when they're planning ethan's birthday party they have it with a carousel and they put together all of these little candy bags for all of the kids and they have balloons with their names on them but this party is not something that midge has really ever been a part of and i love that she kind of abandons in a way her upper west side roots when she's Mm -hmm. talking to her friend imogene they're like oh we haven't gone downtown in two years and or we haven't gone to the east side in in this long and my best friend lives in new york city and i know that there are a lot of people who don't leave their their little neighborhood let alone go to another borough to go to brooklyn or to go to the bronx or anything is unheard of so she kind of experiences a lot of different parts of new york going from a upper west side housewife to being in jail a couple of times is a whirlwind for me for midge mm-hmm. she she kind of does it all and um i thought it was actually kind of incredible um just from you know a millennial standpoint that she's only 26 and she is two kids she's married she went to college and just got married right away to joel and <laughs> like i'm 27 and like i'm married and about to have a kid but just like thinking of like how she just has her life is just you know that's that's what it's going to be. This is her life. She is a housewife, and when she gets a job, her mom is just like mortified. Like, oh my, you're, you know, you're working. You know, it, it's just so like you know frowned upon. Like, it's just amazing how different things are now with with women and and middle not middle aged. Um, you know, women in their mid twenties. What what we're expected of now. And honestly, I don't feel like there's nearly as many expectations or really any at all Mm -hmm. and it makes you wonder I think you know the only reason that Midge got the opportunity to be on stage was she just happened to be drunk and you know what she walked right up there and she grabbed the microphone how many other women in the past you know three generations or longer have wanted to do something like that not even stand-up comedy but maybe you know even something in you know, science or any other role, and they were just never given the opportunity to do so. She just takes the opportunity, which is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, there's, um, I mentioned this before we started recording, but, you know, they have, you know, Rose is, is mortified that Midge is working, but then there's all these other girls that are working, you know, working in department stores. They go to school to be a secretary to earn their own living they all you know live with roommates together and they're dating around it's just very interesting to me to see the two sides of the coin these women who live blocks from each other and their lives are totally different totally opposite 
you know, there's always, you know, people who say like, oh, I miss the 50s and, you know, going to, you know, the burger place and getting milkshakes. And it's like, it was not like that at all. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> like I didn't even live in that time and I know it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really wanted to talk about in this episode is just kind of the role of of women in comedy, especially today, and um, kind of like the pioneers of of female comedians. Um, And I found an article online um, that's uh, called What the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Gets Right About Early Stand-Up Comedy. So um, again, you know, it did kind of start in the 50s and 60s. And unfortunately, um, Midge Maisel is not a real person, but I think she's hilarious and I wish she were. but some of the first names out there were, you know, Phyllis Diller, Joan Rivers. And um, in this article, Joan actually talks about, you know, the things that she talked about. Like she was also very, she was self-deprecating and aware of um, the fact that she was a single young Jewish woman. But she used that. And and she's still one of the biggest names in comedy to this day. And she's um, she's been gone for five years Um, She says, I was talking about having an affair with a married professor, and that wasn't a thing a nice Jewish girl talked about. And I was talking about my mother, desperate to get my sister and me married. It sounds so tame and silly now, but my act spoke to some who weren't able to talk about things. And then Phyllis Stiller also, when she was doing comedy, she also kind of wore this, like, she just wore like a sack, basically. And that kind of, you know, was a little bit of an homage in... um, in Sophie Lennon, Jane Lynch's character, how she, you know, that's just the way things were, you know, women were objectified way more than, than they are now. And, you know, she kind of had to put on this, this frumpy getup so people would listen to her. Mm -hmm. And I don't really think it's like that anymore. You know, you see like, you know, female comedians today, like Sarah Silverman will talk about, you know, her vagina all the time. And it's like, not a big deal. Like that's so racy in the fifties and the sixties, but now it's like, Oh, that's just, that's just what she does. And it's fine. I still think though, that, um, if you watch like stand up specials on Netflix, for example, or looking at male comedians, there are some who will go on stage like Louis C.K., who is canceled. We don't talk about him anymore. (laughs) But he would go on stage and he would wear like a T-shirt and jeans. Um, Then there are some men like John Mulaney. He wears a suit when he goes on stage. But there's a lot of comics who will just – male comics who will go on stage, you know, in like a zip-up sweatshirt, jeans, and tennis shoes. But uh, women go on stage. I think about Amy Schumer, I'm a huge fan of. Eliza Scherzinger, I'm a huge fan of. Um, And I've seen lots of uh, other female comedians live, um, like smaller local comedians. And when I was in New York City, seeing some of them. And uh, I think about Amy Schumer in particular because Mm -hmm. I think she was one of the first female comedians in – the 21st century to really make it so big and so fast i mean she got her own show on comedy central very quickly mm-hmm. and she was on all the comedy central roasts and people online um would rip her apart saying that she was you know too fat and then she lost weight and now she's too thin or she's trying too hard right. and all of these things and it's you know people still like support Louis C.K., even though uh, he did all these awful things, or other comedians that have, you know, really pushed pushed the envelope or done some pretty bad things, and and Amy's never done anything bad. 
are worth mentioning. It's just like these women, especially in comedy or, or, or any other field, are held to such a higher standard, particularly on their looks. And like, God forbid a woman in her set talks about her genitals. Right. Or having sex or, you know, like Joan Rivers having an affair. Like, wow, that would be, you know, that's that's not something that a lot of women are afforded the right to talk talk about whatever they want in right. a set. It is sad that, you know, even now that like female comedians are still scrutinized so much. But something I really loved about Amy Schumer's most recent stand-up special on Netflix is she was, I think, about five or six months pregnant at the time. And she's just wearing this like, it's not an ugly dress, like by any means. It's cute. But I mean, she really doesn't have much makeup on. She didn't really do much with her hair. She's just wearing this comfortable dress. She even like lifts up her dress to show people like, because her belly button is like really weird. And she like um, put bandages over it. And she just like shows everything everyone her pregnant belly and um just talks and, and about on instagram like, she does stuff like that too oh I yeah mean, she shows videos of her stuff like throwing up in the car or she's like running in the park with like high-waisted yoga pants on a sports bra on and she's like seven months pregnant it's hilarious and it's like if it were a man you know doing these things it would just be oh that's just that's hilarious and it, honestly you know like you don't have to think a certain female comic is funny but to say that they're not funny or they're, you know, ugly or, you know, they're gross or, you know, they're racy just because they're a woman is really unfair because where, where is the line of what we are able to joke about? And like, Mm -hmm. again, in that same comedy special, she talks about, you know, like getting your first period and like using tampons and like using pads. Like I was like dying because I'm like, that is like, I relate. Like, that's so funny to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's just so refreshing to see that kind of comedy. And like, for me personally, like I, there's a lot of male comedians that I absolutely love. Um, but sometimes, you know, when they get into more, you know, like, oh, my wife, you know, like those kind of jokes, like I'm like, Ugh. and, you know, you can say the, you know, the same in reverse for women when they talk about men, you know, that men might watching it might, you know, feel the same way. But it's just nice that, you know, there are there are options for for us where we can watch somebody making jokes that we 100 percent relate with because we're a woman. And, or just because it's damn funny. And that's what I think is so great about this show is I think men and women alike can relate to some of the themes in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, it's been 50 years since this show happened. There's a lot of things that um, I think it's entertaining to see different like the way that things were so different back then to now. And um, obviously it's popular with women because it's really exciting to see a woman do so well. And like you said, a relatable comedy that's like uh, like Ali Wong. She oh has my God, I love her. <laughs> burst on the scene. I, I didn't know who she really was until she came out, had her first comedy special. And it's like, almost sometimes people forget that women are literally half of the world and no wonder she a person like her is doing so well because women understand you know her trials and tribulations from just being a woman to being a wife to motherhood to being a working mom or trying to stay at home with her kids like that is what's going to sell not necessarily another white 
male comedian talking about dating or or whatever it is um you know including including women or even a group of women thinking about them you know consuming that type of content and you can tell watching any television show when there are female writers behind it and when there are not. Mm-hmm. And just in my opinion, uh, when you can tell that there's, you know, females behind behind the writing, it's so much better. And I'm not just saying that as a woman, just it's so much more well-rounded. The jokes are so much more fresh and you don't hear about him very often. Like Ali Wong is a writer for um, Fresh Off the Boat, which I don't know if you've watched that show, but that show is also hilarious. So funny. And there are so many um, anymore, you know, now there's a lot more female writers that, you know, get honestly shit on all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this isn't funny. You know, this is too preachy or whatever. And maybe they are at times, but, you know, when there's like that good balance, but you know that there's a woman behind that, you know, the behind the pen or the computer or whatever, you know, writing this, it's just so much better. And it just is so much more inclusive and Mm -hmm. not just for women, but for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's just like a completely male dominated, uh, industry and now that there's more you know women in the front and center and even like female-led you know blockbuster movies like Bridesmaids was written by uh Kristen Wiig and um she was one of the main writers and that is a hysterical movie I mean I think she was even nominated for an Oscar for writing that which is um incredible you know that that was unheard of in the 50s and the 60s and now it's just so much more common before we started recording this, even we were just looking at a list of uh, female comedians that we love and, you know, from past and present. And I mean, there was a hundred women on this list and there were so many, uh, I mean, we knew almost every single one. We're Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. And it's, again, it's amazing to see, you know, there's, you know, they're not front and center because, you know, of their gender or whatever, or they didn't get as much press, but there's so many out there. Um, some of my personal favorites from today, like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, are some of my favorite female comedians. But there's even women like Betty White. Oh, God, Betty Reed White. Perlman, uh, Lucille Ball. Like, who can really think about a, you can't even mention like a comedy from, you know, decades ago that is funny and engaging without talking about Lucille Ball because right. I love Lucy was I mean I'm I'm not a historian a tv historian <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination but I don't think without Lucille Ball doing what she did that women would have had the opportunity to have the Carol Burnett show oh, or, yeah. or any of these other like you know big like female leading or female co-starring comedies, you know, over the past 40, 50, 60 years. And we talk about Saturday Night Live, too. Some of the, and you know, um, Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler all came from Saturday Night Live. But even in the beginning in the 70s, like Gilda Radner is one of, you know, the most acclaimed female comedians of the 20th century. And even now there are some really funny women like um, Kate McKinnon, um, Leslie Jones, uh, Heidi Gardner is one of the newer uh um, featured players and she is hysterical mm-hmm. like she has some amazing impressions and she's so funny Ad Bryant which we did her show yeah Shrill. yeah Ad Bryant of course and I mean she's under 30 which is amazing oh yeah and Rachel Brosnahan is uh 28 29 yeah incredible yeah it's amazing that these these young women are you know making it big mm-hmm. and another thing that I really like that is showcased in this show is 
how fragile masculinity is. Ooh, yeah. Not only does Midge deal with her fair share of hecklers while she's on stage, you know, people saying like, women aren't funny, go home and wash the dishes. Ugh. There's in the final episode, they're like, you're a dumb bitch. And she's like, who told you? <laughs> I love that. But Joel, uh, for one, I mean, he's the most fragile person of all. He gets pissed. And the reason that he kind of leaves Midge is because she's like, well, I didn't realize that you wanted to be a comedian for real. I just thought this was something fun that we did. Yeah. And we, every week that we just went to the gaslight, and he was like, no, I want to be a comedian for real. And he's so offended by every turn, you know, he's offended that she doesn't take him back right away. She's offended, or he's, rather, he's offended she gets a job or that she actually performs, that she's doing these things. Oh, yeah, when he finds out and, like, when he, like, kind of says out loud, like, she's good, like, he looks so defeated. Mm -hmm. And he even says to her in one of the episodes, like, I couldn't handle you looking at me after I had bombed like that on stage. Like, it was just so embarrassing for him, for his wife to see him fail. It's just like, oh, come on, man. Like, we all fail. Yeah, and even Abe, he, you know, has to put up with Rose, you know, not coming home or um, without spoiling too much of season two, Rose moves to Paris. Oh, shit. Yes, Rose moves to Paris. She mentions in the show that she studied yeah. abroad there. She lived there for a while, so she spoke French. And Abe talks about how much he loved Rose when she came back from Paris. She was speaking French, and she was cooking, and she was wearing a beret. Well, Rose moves back to uh, Paris in season two. and Abe, but, but with all the things going on between Midge and Joel, Abe is so upset by the way Rose is treating him. And he, in a way... You know, he feels, I sense that he feels emasculated because his wife isn't submitting to him and, you know, he's the man of the house and yeah. he's got these these two women, Midge and Rose, who are kind of controlling his life in a way. He feels crazy. I mean, he's surrounded by, plus their housekeeper Zelda, he's surrounded by all these women yeah. all day when he goes home. And he finds out, when he finds out that um, Midge and Joel are splitting up, he at first is very upset with Joel and he kind of like pulls it. This scene is actually really funny. He like, he's like, can I see you in the bedroom for a minute? And then he pulls him in there and he talks about how he's like, he's like never liked him and you know, he, what he's doing to his family and you know, the huge mistake he's making. He's like, you'll never find another woman like, like Miriam. And then he talks to Midge Miriam and he's like so disappointed in her. Like he's like, you need to go and win him back, put on a nice dress and, you know, saying all these things that she needs to do. And even like when Joel is like breaking things off with her, she's like, I'll do more, you know, I'll, I'll be better. And it's just like, that made me so sad. I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, girl, you've literally done everything right. Your husband is just fragile and he dates Penny, who's, you know, Penny Pan, Penny Pan, who's probably what, 21, 22, 23. And she's an idiot. She's, she's dumb. Even Joel's parents tell (laughs) him no that she's an idiot and she doesn't eat anything and she doesn't, you know, bring anything to the conversation. But it's like Joel likes it because he gets to be, you know, the dominator. He yeah, gets, he to, gets have to have the upper hand. The upper hand. And I think um, if, the, if the, you know, it, it really messes with, messes with Joel's head when Midge rejects him. Right. And 
um, not to get on my high horse, but men really hate to be rejected by women, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's evidence of that, you know, in, in dating apps is the one thing I think of most dating or, you know, seeing screenshots of text messages, but it's true. Like Joel is the hallmark of fragile masculinity in this and show. Again, to bring up Amy Schumer in her latest special, which you should watch it. It's very funny, especially if you're pregnant like me, I was dying. Um, <laughs> she, she talks about how like women's biggest fear our biggest fear as a woman is violence and a man's biggest fear is rejection or not rejection, um, ridicule. Yeah. Being embarrassed. And she like makes this like, Oh, like, Oh, you were embarrassed. Like just like making like, you know, a big joke out of it. And it's true. Like in, in this show specifically, like when a man is let down or embarrassed or is seen less than they just fall apart. And it's just amazing to see how, in the beginning, these two characters, they seem so in love and so happy. And they, then, yeah, they drive together and yeah. Midge is like, she thinks everything is great and Joel thinks everything is great. And once Midge isn't taking Joel seriously about comedy, it's over for him and he is done. And she just continues to rise. Like, again, she stumbles a few times. She gets arrested. She bombs a couple of times when she's on stage. And, um, but she just continues to rise and get better and have more confidence. And she's just this, this, you know, positive, confident character. And then by the end, Joel is just this sad, drunk, just disheveled man. He and quits his so, job yeah. after he sees, um, no, he hears, um, oh, he, they go like to, a, like a bootleg tape of her comedy or something at the store. And he, you know, Midge is making a joke about, her husband and he you know has to go into work the next day and he's giving this big presentation which is supposed to you know land him the promotion and he's standing there all you know it's so pathetic sallow and he's like i quit oh, he's such a lame he is <laughs> but um but i'm really excited to see season two of this um i absolutely loved this first season all eight episodes are like on point they're funny they're well written they're again the, everything i said in the beginning if you have not watched this show yet get a prime account or if you're like me ask a friend <laughs> and, For their like and watch this show sorry amazon um watch this show it is so funny it will you know it's it's very like uplifting too like mm-hmm. and again we talk about how we do all these dark shows and dark movies all the time this is not that like this is a show that's gonna you know make you feel good and it's funny and mm-hmm. Um, can't wait to watch the next season and maybe we'll review that one next mm-hmm. or not next but soon someday and also if you've gotten this far there is a lot of swearing there yeah. is a little uh, bit of nudity a little bit of nudity not anything crazy um but there is some like you know content warnings and just that they talk about some like intimate serious topics in the in the comedy but just watch it after you're kiddos go to bed yeah. or by yourself don't watch it at work or something without headphones I guess you know I actually did watch the first episode at work and like I said there is a flashing scene and I was like what I was not expecting that yeah. oh no but really it's not that bad it's not nearly as bad as the dirt mm-hmm. um so let's get to our reviews um I ugh. I want to give it a five out of five because it's so good. And I honestly can't think of anything that I don't like about it. Most pilot seasons of a show 
that, you know, end up being successful are pretty much perfect. So I I, got to give it a five out of five, you know, for a, a new show that is about, you know, 60 years ago is really on point like the like it's very historically accurate to the time the costuming the music is great the direction is great like I said the acting is wonderful the writing everything about the show is amazing and you will fall in love with Rachel Brosnahan and I again like I said I can't wait to see what she does next can't wait to watch the next season love this show go out and watch it if you haven't yet so this may be shocking oh oh no my rating for the show is five out of five. Oh my god two five <laughs> out of fives i have been a fan of this show since it came out in i think it was march 2017 the first season so it came out a little bit ago and for the same things i mean if you look like i said at their wikipedia page they've been nominated and won for costume writing directing um the music is great they talk they have like barbara streisand they have uh, Perry Como, Ella Fitzgerald, Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. tons of music from that era. And um, I love that. I was constantly like tapping on my iPad to see what the song was and, mm-hmm. and who it was by. And um, the way it shot, the casting, um, the themes in it, I just, there's not a thing that I dislike about it. And I love, I love Midge. I think she's, she's an incredible so character. Great. And I think that watching this as a as a woman, it makes me feel like really, really good to me see too, yeah. another woman kind of break down these barriers and, um, you know, push the envelope, particularly um, in such a time, you know, where there was all these other things going on, like, you know, Jim Crow laws, you know, it's at the turn of the um, coming right into the 60s. So there's a lot of different things going on. Um, and so I just, I love the time period that it's set. I love the historical accuracy and just everything about it. There's, I have zero complaints except that I hate Joel, but he's such a good character to hate. He is, you know, and that's when you know it's a well-written character is even if you don't like him, you still like the character, Mm -hmm. like, or at least like the, how well the character is written and the actor playing the character. And if you can't tell, we really love female led content. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so as always give us suggestions on more. We're definitely going to look at that post on Atlas and friends for some more ideas for what's next. I think we'll probably do maybe a new movie. Actually, there is a new, uh, movie that just came out on Netflix with Brie Larson Mm -hmm. that I've been wanting to watch. Maybe we'll do that next. Um, but there's so many ideas that you guys gave us so many great shows that I would love to talk about. So, um, we'll definitely go through that list and, um, give you guys a shout out if you, if you give us an idea. So thank you again for everybody who participated in that, gave us those ideas. It shows us that you care about this podcast and what we talk about so you know keep them coming and um, leave a comment on our uh, Facebook post what do you think of this show and um, again more ideas but until then uh, you guys have a great day make sure to watch the show I'm just gonna plug that one more time watch it it's so good you'll have no regrets no regrets Um, but yeah we'll see you next time thanks guys bye